Hey, what's going on, Clipper people? It is me, William, the Opinion Updike. I'm coming at you solo today. Chuck is going to be out, but I still got you covered. Clippers win streak, it's over, unfortunately, but I'm going to kick things off recapping that Clippers versus Bulls game. There were some things that I liked in that one, as well as some things that I didn't, and I'll tell you overall how I'm feeling about this team after the end of that sweet, sweet win streak. And then it's Monday, so you know I got the freshies for you, talking about new guys fresh to the squad. I'm gonna be talking mostly Hartenstein and Bledsoe. We'll also have a Luke Kennard progress report for you, as well as Vorp Watch. Spoiler alert, Terrence Mann is at that positive Vorp. Let's go, this is not a drill. And then in shavings, uh, which is where I just kinda am gonna wrap up everything else around the NBA. Patrick Beverly, uh, just sort of a bittersweet return to the Clippers, gonna talk about that. And then the Clippers also debuted their City Edition jerseys, got to see these things up close, loved them, gonna talk about that. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about the Clippers' upcoming homestand and sort of where I think they stand after that. So all that and more coming up right about now. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, so if you're listening to this, you probably already know the Clippers did lose to the Bulls in a very 90s scoring type game. Uh, This one, (laughs) look, this one was difficult. We uh, got out to an early deficit and had to overcome that kind of a recurring theme for the Clippers. Final score on this one was 100 to 90. So let's get into what I liked from this one. Bummer to see an end of the win streak, obviously, but I still like the way that this team fought. It was the second night of a back-to-back, and I appreciated that this team was not about to roll over on their home floor, even with so much kind of going wrong offensively. You know, Blink, and you probably would have missed it, but the Clippers even managed to lead this one in the fourth quarter before the Chicago Bulls kind of were able to close the window. And the thing that I love that they need to continue to do is just creating offense off of their defense. And... For a team that's down, a major defensive piece uh, and scorer in Kawhi Leonard, a scorer in Marcus Morris, who also, you know, has, when healthy, is solid on the on the other end of the floor, uh, and Serge Ibaka, they need to find ways to build more momentum off of that. Um, so what else did I like from this one? Paul George had just under 30 points in about the hardest way you possibly could. Uh, the efficiency is not something that you hope for from <laughs> from your from your superstar, but uh, it is what it is. Look, he had finished with 27, 11, and four. He added a steal and a block. You know, he scored 27 points on 25 shots, which you know it it's not great. It's efficiency wise, it's you know it's it's about as bad as it could go. But I still thought that this was kind of like a gutsy performance for him where nothing was going right and he was just ready to put his head down and wear out a win any way that he could. Uh, he was perfect from the line in this one. He went 11 from he went 11 for 11. It was great to see him getting to the line so much, just being aggressive, getting downhill, even though he was like being super keyed in by the defense. He got a bunch of different looks, uh, which you know was really difficult for him. My thing about this is, if Paul George is having these types of performances at his worst, you know, like when Kawhi is back, I I have no doubt if he can keep this mindset that this is a title team. No doubt at all. You know, these are the kind of games 
that we used to see him wither a little bit in, uh, which is understandable. It's 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 hard to stay locked in, um, you know, when so much is going wrong. I you know he was sub thirty percent from the floor as well as from three in this one, um, which is really really difficult. But you know, like I said, I loved him getting downhill, getting to the line, just trying to find ways to be effective. Another player who really stood out to me in this one was Eric Bledsoe. He finished with 21-6-3. and three. Look, there's some knocks on this performance, uh, even though I did overall like it. He had a negative assist-to-turnover ratio, which is yikes. If you listen to the podcast, you know I'm kind of a big stickler on that. However, on this one, I'm going to have to give him a break um, <clears throat> because I, I think that this would have been uh, a better assist number if anyone could actually hit a shot. He was the most efficient clipper offensively, which is troubling. I don't know how many games the Clippers will end up winning if Eric Bledsoe is their most efficient scorer in a given game. Uh, his splits were 50% from the floor, 50% from three, 100% from the line. So we had kind of talked about Charles and I, like where we wanted the distribution of his shots. And we had kind of said like, <clears throat> in our hopes, we had him taking like maybe two threes a game. Uh, I think through this stretch, it seems like that number might be closer to four, which if he's, you know, mid thirties or better, uh, I, I think I can live with that. I think the biggest thing for me is I, I just still feel like he's clicking into his role a little bit better. And I personally love seeing a player, you know, kind of start to feel it and, and get hot. Um, that's all that I'm going to say for Bledsoe for right now. I'm definitely going to talk about him some more uh, in the freshies as he is a new guy to the team. Uh, but what's, let's, let's get into a little bit of what I didn't like. Um, there were a few things, you know, like the we had 19 turnovers. That absolutely killed us. Uh, you know, that that it, a lot of these happened early, you know, which was the reason for a huge deficit. Um, and it did tighten up a little bit. I think defensively, I have some questions about the doubling DeRozan strategy. I didn't really see the point of this, and we just kept going to it again and again and again. Overall, I, I didn't feel like it was that effective. I, I thought he was able to beat it pretty well. I mean, he finished with 35-7-5. and five. We did get a couple turnovers uh, off of him out of it. And I just, my feeling on this is that when you have two people doubling up to Rosen, it just puts a lot of pressure on other defenders because this Chicago team, it's it's not like, it's not like they have a team where there are other guys who can't score um, you know, Lonzo and Caruso didn't have very efficient games, but I thought that like the doubling up of DeRozan kind of let, I kind of thought it let Zach Levine, like have a little bit of room to score, maybe fly a little bit more under the radar. Uh, Levine shot 46% from three in this one, which, you know, it's not like super remarkable, but he's like a sub 40 guy. Um, so I, I do think that that was an issue, um, yeah, I I don't know. I it felt like that was it made sense that the you know the Bulls were putting a lot of pressure on Paul George, uh, especially when the team was you know shooting as poorly across the board really as they were against Chicago. Um, but yeah, I I don't know why they didn't maybe move away from this, especially kind of down the stretch. Um, so th that was a little questionable to me. Look, 
there's no way around it. The Clippers' offensive struggles are continuing. I wasn't that worried about the offense of this team coming into the season. I thought, you know, the the ups and downs defensively, uh, this team has always been able to find ways to score. We're seeing that stall out a little bit. Um, and in this game, we only had two players shoot above 40% from beyond the arc. That was Eric Bledsoe and Terrence Mann, uh, which, you know, good for Terrence. And, I mean, good for Bledsoe as well, hell. Uh, but this game really came down to execution down the stretch, and the Bulls were just able to get it done, and the Clippers were not. Um, you know, if no one else is a threat, it, it it's really easy for a defense to key into Paul George and, and sort of force him into a difficult situation. And a lot of times he rises to the challenge and he's able to create, but, you know, it's a long season. Uh, and on the second night of a back-to-back, that's just a difficult thing to do. Another thing I, I wasn't loving from this game, and I hate to pile on him because he has been playing better as of late, but this felt to me like a little bit of a regression in a Zubat's performance. Uh, look, the Bulls were smaller. Uh, they were active in passing lanes. They were playing really aggressive defensively, and, and he struggled. Um, he finished with four and seven. He had five turnovers. He struggled to connect from the field, kind of. He was one of three, not of, albeit, you know, not the largest sample size. I don't love that for my starting center, but hey, it's it's just one performance. I guess I just didn't like this one because I thought that the pick and roll chemistry with Zubats, uh, you know, was kind of evolving. I thought other guys were kind of figuring out where he liked the ball a little bit more. And I think that this was an issue where he, you know, like he wasn't always getting the ball in the best places and that led to some of those turnovers. So it's definitely not all on him. Um, and then an- another thing <laughs> that I didn't like, I, I mean, I hate that I'm saying this, but we really could have used Winslow in this one. Uh, second night of a back-to-back, the legs were, you know, clearly a bit of an issue, especially, you know, after they overcame that massive deficit, uh, you know, even got a, a slight lead in the fourth, uh, and just weren't able to do it. I mean, we, we could have used anyone, I, you know, get me surge out there in a back brace. I don't care. Get Morris, one of those scooters that, you know, you just have one leg on, uh, whatever we got to do, we got to find some more availability or some more like meaningful minutes, uh, from guys on this team. So overall, how I'm feeling like, look, I said that I thought the team would probably split the games over the weekend. They did that, but I've never, wanted to be more wrong about a weekend uh, game prediction. I wish we could have put both of these away. Uh, So anyways, coming up, I'm going to be talking the Freshies, who's new and fresh to the squad, as well as the Luke Kennard progress report, and of course, Terrence Mann's Vorp Watch. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about Prize Picks? Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize Picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. So how it works is you pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. 
Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, so we're back. It's time for the Freshies, the Luke Kennard Progress Report, and everybody's favorite, Vorp Watch. All right, so talking about fresh guys to the squad, he's going to continue to come up, uh, but Hartenstein, one of the best deals for the Clippers. Um, he continues to soak up valuable time. He said two good games and two okay games since the last time we talked. He had a really great game against Portland. He finished with 14-2-3. And, and a really good game against Minnesota where he had 12-12-4 with an additional four blocks. Look, that game was a blowout, so kind of everybody had uh, an inflated box score. He was plus 22 in that one. And, you know, while maybe the number is a little high, his impact was definitely real. Um, I want to just kind of take a brief look at uh, sort of uh, like his usage rate. Uh, and right now it's a hair above 17%, uh, which means that, you know, like he is a part of this offense. I had thought <clears throat> I had thought it would be like sub 10 for sure. Uh, just for reference, Zoo's usage rate is around 15%. It's, it's just a hair under. It's like 14.7 or something. Uh, I'll round up for you. So, you know, like in the bench minutes, he is a piece of this offense, like with a measurable contribution. And I guess that has me wondering, like, <clears throat> what that means for Surge upon his return. I mean, we'll definitely see a decrease there, but I'm I'm curious, like, how how long you know we're gonna be waiting to get Surge up to speed. Um, Hart has been you know, a much more capable replacement than we've ever had sort of in that third up center position for this team so far. Uh, so that definitely bodes well. I'm curious to see how Hart will adjust um, as the season continues, uh, but that'll just have to be monitored once we have Surge back or even when we have Morris back, uh, if we do end up seeing kind of more small lineups. I do think like to his credit, he's Definitely earned more trust from Ty Lu. I mean, he even took a three, which, you know, you, you love to see for him uh, in that game against Minnesota. So one kind of thing uh, that I was also noticing is his defensive rebounding percentage numbers are down from where they've been essentially every season since he's been in the NBA. And this is going to be something that I'm going to be monitoring, uh, you know, at least loosely moving forward. Look, I think that some of this you can probably attribute to him just playing with other guys who pull down boards. Um, so that's definitely a factor, you know, especially if he's on the floor with, uh, you know, Batum and PG or 
or, or any combination of, of like the stronger rebounding forwards or even some of the guards that we have. I think though the only thing that would hold him back from you know postseason play would be his defensive development. And that is going to be something that we're just going to have to keep an eye on, uh, especially if teams opt to move small. It it still seems like we're at a place where Zoo isn't ready for that challenge. I'm not saying that Hart is the answer in those scenarios, but certainly, you know, if he's able to to bolster his defense a little bit, or you know, get to those double double numbers when he's in sort of extended extended stretches I, I do think that that will go a long way towards you know sort of guaranteeing you know what his slot is on this team and, and what that looks like uh another guy I want to talk about is Bledsoe I I was hesitant to put this one in here because I really don't want to drink jinx it but it feels like he's back on track I, he's had double-digit scoring performances in all four appearances since we last talked on the freshies the efficiency is looking better. Um, I say that with a grain of salt because I am still not loving games where he's taking like six threes. But I think it's one of those things where on the nights where he's feeling it and he's, you know, he's he's getting in the rim, he's hitting in the mid-range, he's maybe taking a couple more threes than you'd like him to take. I, I think it just might end up being one of those things you have to you have to live with. It's you know, it's like it's similar to the Reggie roller coaster. You know, you take in some of the poor decision making in stride, some of like the questionable early shot clock shots in stride, because you know that he's gonna be able to execute for you down the stretch or with a big FU3 or in a clutch moment. Um, so I know that Bledsoe hasn't hasn't gained that level of trust yet from the fan base, um, but I really hope that he can build on the momentum that he has right now. We kind of talked about like what our ideal sort of like box score numbers would be uh, for Eric Bledsoe, which you know it, it's not everything, and it, you know it, it's not going to be exact. But Charles and I kind of both settled on twelve. About 12 points, four boards, and six assists being what we thought would be, you know, solid enough contribution to expect from Bledsoe that that this could be a team that would avoid the play-in if he could be that consistent. And I got to say, like, those numbers feel a lot more realistic given his current output. I think even more impressive was he had 21 in each of the ultra-competitive games that you, you know, against teams that you want to see this team, you know, fighting with if if they are going to be a playoff team. And those two games were against Miami and Chicago. We got a great win over Miami. We came up short in Chicago. But it's nice knowing that it is there or he's feeling comfortable enough for it to be there that he can be he can be another kind of fulcrum of this offense. And I'm not saying that when everyone is healthy, that should be his role. Um, But it's nice to know that he can be an extra person to rely on, you know, when things are not going right. So, you know, this last week for me has been a huge step forward for Bledsoe. Um, You know, I I was a little down on him. Uh, Certainly not as down as some other people out there. Uh, But it's good to see him sort of trending in the right direction. Now, it's Monday. We got to talk the Luke Kennard progress report. Unfortunately, 
not a whole lot to report on this week. My apologies to Mr. Ohio. He's only had one game shooting better than 40% this last week. He went one of two against Portland. Um, You know, not a whole lot of shot attempts, obviously, there. Two is not enough in a game for Luke. But, you know, it's one of those things that he he doesn't demand the ball. I think when the team is actively hunting him, uh, it's, you know, it's great because they will look to get him the ball. Uh, but other times, you know, he, it's going to affect his touches for sure. And another thing that's sort of, at least I, I, I was seeing more this week and we've talked about in the past is that he's going to have to ad- adapt a little bit this year. Uh, his scoring role has changed and, He's just going to have to be used to being a little bit more heavily scouted by defenses. And I mentioned the same thing about, you know, Terrence Mann and sort of how he would progress this year. But it's definitely a real thing. We've seen teams already sort of key in on Luke in his minutes on the floor. But also affecting that is definitely his passivity at some time. I believe it was in the Chicago game. I was watching like the alternate team's feed and it was even commented on at one point by a broadcaster. Um, so that's definitely going to be something to monitor as well, but I do love what he's doing on the other end of the floor. Uh, I feel like he's adding a little bit of grit to his game. So I think that that's a really positive contribution that he's been able to find, uh, that wasn't something that was really a part of his game last year, or he just wasn't featured enough for us to see it. So that's definitely positive progress. And now wrapping things up, I got to talk Vorp watch Terrence Mann. Uh, so in case you're unfamiliar, VORP is value over replacement player. We're using this as sort of a loose guide after Terrence's, you know, breakout year last year, especially in the playoffs, uh, to measure how he's doing versus the rest of the league. And folks, I have positive news. Terrence Mann has a positive VORP of 0.1. Let's go. He's, I mean, he's definitely more valuable than a replacement player. I'll tell you that right now. He had a great game versus Minnesota. He finished with 16-3-4. You know, since November 7th, he's had three games of five or more boards. Love that for him. If he can make that a consistent part of his game moving forward, that really helps things out. I talked about this a couple episodes ago where I was kind of looking at alternate pairings around Bledsoe, and I really like the pairing um, of of Man and Bledsoe in the backcourt. So that's going to be one of those things that I continue to watch as the season progresses. But I think that what I like about it is that Terrence is really effective without the ball in his hands. And I think that what we've seen so far this season is that, you know, maybe Reggie needs the ball in his hands a little bit more than we had thought. And Bledsoe, you know, he just absolutely needs the ball in his hands or there's not a whole lot that he's providing offensively. But shout out to Terrence. Way to go, buddy. Yeah, you're definitely more valuable than a replacement player. Hey, you're you're our MIP. So coming up, I'm going to be talking shavings, which is just where I'm going to kind of wrap up everything else. Going to talk about Patrick Beverly returning as well as the Clipper City Edition jerseys. But first, I got to talk to you about Built Bar. Look, holidays are really hard to eat healthy. There's so many delicious like food and treats. Uh, but that is actually the perfect time for a built bar. I'm going to try to stay eating healthy this Thanksgiving and through Christmas. We'll see how it goes. 
uh, but I'm gonna try to replace some of the pies and treats with Built Bar, you know, maybe a, a raspberry Built Bar. There's lots of good flavors that can really replicate any type of pie. And the thing I love about the bars is that they're low calorie, they're low carb, low fat, high protein. All the bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, so you're not even really missing out on that much of dessert. Built Bar is also a great option for when you're hungry. Uh, if Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough for you, go for a Built Bar, maybe two. Uh, share some at your family gatherings. It'll definitely make things less awkward. No hangry, you know, parents or, or in-laws. So right now, we also have a very special offer for our listeners to kick off your holiday Built Bar binge. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so I'm back with shavings, which is just kind of wrapping up everything else. So I got to kick things off talking about Patrick Beverly uh, returning to Staples, making just the entirety of, of, of Clipper Nation cry. It is impossible to not love this dude. I think everyone probably got a little soggy-eyed at the, at the video tribute that they had for Pat. Uh, I believe it was at the first time out there in the Minnesota game. He also said some really great stuff. Post-press conference, uh, he said, I got no regrets, wouldn't change anything. We put on for the city, we turned this Laker city into a Clipper city, and that's all you can ask for. We gave the fans something to be excited about. Whew, this getting me choked up. Great to hear, I'm, I'm glad that there's not like a bitterness or something there. It was really difficult to see Pat gone, and I was even somewhat complimentary of the trade at the time just due to availability, but Man, that all felt different when I saw him in a in a different team's jersey. Uh, that was a little bit more difficult. But now, talking about Pat Bev, I want to get into a bit of maybe a tinfoil hat theory here, so stay with me. It was stated that he took the Timberwolves out to quote-unquote show them L.A. after their win over the Lakers. This may or may not have had something to do with the Timberwolves getting absolutely demolished by the Clippers. Yes? No? I think this confirms that Patrick Beverly is a Clipper for life, uh, so you love to see it. Uh, got to see the, the new City Edition uh, jerseys up and in the flesh. I'm loving these. I think that they're awesome. The warm-ups, I love the orange. I think that it looks so... I think it looks so hard. Um, I actually... Just kind of browsing the Twitter sphere, actually was seeing some positive reactions to these jerseys from folks like outside the Clippers sphere, uh, which is a little surprising. But I thought this year, like given the lineup of City Edition jerseys, I mean, I thought the Clippers stand like stood out and and did really well. And I I was a fan of the the script ones, the Mr. Cartoon ones, but these ones have like a little bit of extra flair of color, and I I. I am really fond of the throwback to, to sort of the old Clippers thing as well. Uh, you know, love a good throwback. But notably, the lead Joseph Fry Ward is not a fan of these jerseys. Uh, he is, of course, of the Clipset podcast. So if you see him, boo him. Uh, and then just wrapping things up today, I want to talk a little bit about the end of the streak. What a sweet way to turn around a season that was feeling, um, I, I mean, albeit it was, we were only one in four, but it was feeling a little bleak there at some times. You know, this caused my view on the team to take a complete 180 in the positive direction, uh, which was just great to see. Coming up, just kind of looking schedule-wise, uh, they got a, they, they take on the Spurs at home, they got a couple games on the road, 
And then they have, I believe, a seven-game homestand after they get back from New Orleans. It's like a six-game homestand if you count the Lakers game as an actual home game, but seven at Staples is, is what I mean to say. So I'm kind of wondering, I, I'm not sure if we can carve out another little streak in that time. During that homestand, we do take on some tough teams. We play the Mavs twice. We play the Warriors once. As I mentioned, we do play the Lakers. So who knows how that could go. But we also have some ma a matchup with the Pistons. We take on the Pels and the Kings. So I don't know that we'll see another long streak in that one. I, I don't think so, unfortunately. But I do think that four and three over that like seven game homestand seems pretty doable. But my question is, can we go five and two? I mean, that, that'd be great. That put us in a, in a pretty great position. Um, the home games are going to be something to monitor going forward. So I will undoubtedly be talking about that later in the week with so many of them front loaded on the Clippers schedule. But that's going to do it for me today. Uh, Make sure and come back tomorrow where I'll have a, a game preview for you as well as Twitter Tuesday. So you definitely want to stay tuned in for that. Locked on Clippers does come at you Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Pacific. You can check it out on iTunes or the podcast app. It's also on Google Podcasts, on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Deezer, on Amazon Music. Basically, anywhere you get your podcast. If you wanted to help the show out, you could leave a rating or review five stars. Please don't review me just solo. You know, that, that doesn't seem fair. Let, let Chuck let Chuck come in. Uh, you know, give us the aggregate of the two. That's definitely worth five stars. Uh, but as always, I've been William the Opinion Updike, and I really appreciate you.